Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about sports of 1999. <laughs> yeah, sure. From a soccer pitch here, a football pitch, excuse me, here in 2019, I am one of your hosts, Kenny Nybar. And I'm Phil Eskov. And with us today is Barbara Friend. She's a television writer, but also a... Soccer aficionado. Soccer aficionado. And a soccer player in her own, yes. right? Yes. <laughs> Not the, competitively. <laughs> and the person who thought to do this, to do to do a podcast yeah. on the 1999 women's soccer team, um, I guess kind of the forebearers, I didn't realize that they had won a 91 as well. Yes. No one really knows. No one paid attention to 91. So 91, yeah. it was in China. China. No one really paid attention, even though yeah. there were a lot of the same players yeah. in the 1919. Yeah. And then in 99, when it was in America, it really blew up. And that really carried over until what we saw yesterday. Well, yesterday now, four days ago. Yeah. Um, when this drops on Wednesday, uh, when our girls want to get gals. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Barbara uh, worked with me on Station 19. Uh, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit, Barbara. Um, it's not but, hard to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but Barbara is a, not just a tremendous writer, but a tremendous person. Um, if you aren't following her on Twitter, you should be. She did a, a string of Pride videos that were unbelievable. Um, and everyone should be uh, paying attention to Barbara because she's a tremendous person. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> Don't pay attention. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. 
that was uh, that was really heartfelt. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Um, and and I and I think that it is. You know, I, I reached out to Barbara to to be on the podcast in general about a film, about a film, yeah. about a television show, but whatever. She, you know, I gave her the list of the various things that were available, and Barbara said, you know, you you really should do this. This would be a cool thing to do, and it just so happened to line up, thankfully, with the World Cup this year, and it just feels like a, a tremendous uh, tremendous opportunity. And we've talked about. Several things. One, branching out this podcast to go beyond film and television. And yeah. we talked about this team specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 99 was an inflection point in a lot of ways. It was. And for women's sports, I think this is very clearly, particularly women's team sports, an inflection point. Now, you'd think we were a little further along 20 years later. Um, but we're further than we were in 99, at least. Yeah. And uh, I do think that. I think that the way the team is is has been and is received now across the country is a lot different uh, than they were then. Even was- ten years ago, even four years ago, I mean, uh, twenty fifteen. What do you think? How so? I mean, I think I think they've become. Here, I think they've been heroes, you know, since like '99. I think that's always been the story. But I think what they fight for every cup, sort of like where the country and the culture is at is always very different. So they represent different things. I think each time they're they're playing in the World Cup. I think the, the what I'm what I would say is I agree with that completely. I think that the idea of an equal pay chance breaking out right. even four years ago never would have happened. Right. So I think the I think. Right-minded people, <laughs> sure. Uh, it's by and large, kind of understand what this fight, what what yeah. what the underlying fight is here. You know, this happened in tennis a while ago. This happened in tennis when the Williams sisters kind of started their rise, where Grand Slam winners on the men's side were getting paid more than Grand Slam winners on the on the women's side, and that stopped. I think it might still be at one tournament. I think it might still happen at Wimbledon because. British are so backwards, but um, that's but only in this regard. Certain to the worst, but there, it certainly stopped at the U.S. Open right around that time. I yeah, think yeah. it stopped at the Australian, and I think it may have stopped at the French. But uh, it's incredible. I read yesterday that you know I think the kind of assholes argument is the men's team brings in more money than the women's team, which is insane. Well, it's just not true. Yeah. Men, <laughs> men's team operated a, at a loss of a million dollars. Women's team bring in five million dollars. Uh, in profit. So what else you got? <laughs> can I can I tell you? I read the most ridiculous Twitter comment. Like God yeah, bless Twitter please, yesterday. Sure. A, ma- a, a man too hard, was arguing that it's unfair to compare what the women generated because the women are boosted by their World Cup performances in which the men don't participate. And I'm like... That is unfair. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> that it, the men weren't even in the World Cup. So how can oh, you compare them? These guys... <laughs> That's incredible. That's so I, sad. I, it's a really sad I, it's a la- Yeah. It, I, I couldn't I, believe it. I, I mean, so truthfully, what do we really believe is the reason behind this? Like what Sexism? Is, is, it ju- is it just rampant? Se- which, by the way, like, obviously that's fine. Not fine, but you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. a fine argument to be made. But I'm just sort of baffled by why there isn't parity. Like it's just, it's just an excuse to be able to make more money off of a different gender essentially. Right. Yeah. Where they're just, they can just keep more money to themselves. I think they just think the women, as you're saying, it's, it's untrue, but I think they think the women don't, they don't generate the the money, the revenue, but 
Uh, that is untrue, I think. And then you have people say, well, just have the women play the men and see who's better. It's like, that's not what this is about. There's a women's game, there's a men's game. Like, it's, yeah. it's, that's not what we're here for, you know? It kills yeah. me when, it kills me when, uh, something like this happens. And, uh, for in this case, the women are winning playing by the rules, uh, of capitalism. Right? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of the end of the story. Like, yeah. I don't really know what else you guys they're, – they're, they're generating significantly more money. Yeah. Um, not only that, they're significantly bigger stars in America. Huge. Oh my God. Massive. Even when, like, even when the World Cup isn't going on, you know, I mean, Abby Wambach's not even in it anymore, right? Abby Wambach's still a bigger soccer star than anybody – on the men's team. I mean, is Josie Aldador still on the team? He, yes. <laughs> I know him. Landon Donovan doesn't play anymore. Right. right? There are a few I mean, guys. Would you argue that the 99 team? It ended up I, I mean, Mia Hamm is Mia still Hamm probably is. one of the biggest names in soccer. So outside yeah. of Landon Donovan, I don't think that there's a male soccer, a male American soccer player that's on par with the top five women soccer players in America. It's just kind of the way it is. It's, same with, it's the same with tennis. There's not a male American tennis player who the biggest is Andy Roddick who like – no offense. <laughs> <laughs> and, but right. like the biggest male so- American tennis player of the last 20 years is Andy Roddick, who I think won two majors, um, two Grand Slams. Um, and he's, you know, he, maybe he's top 10 uh, American Where tennis Serena players. Or Venus. But you keep going down the list. Yeah. You even, yeah. You, 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 yeah. Serena and, and Venus, super high, but you keep going down the list the last 20 years and you have just a, a, a plethora of. Women sure. who are just bigger than men in that particular sport. Still, I think that um, I think it is sexism, but I think it's very easy to say it's just sexism. It's you know, two hundred years of an entrenched patriarchy, and that's a you hard th- thing to right. overcome overnight, especially when this is all pretty new. As I said, like ninety one didn't even mean anything. Yeah, as I said in the documentary we watched, nine uh, the nine yeah. for nine ESPN documentary in the ninety nineers, they had three people. At the airport, yeah, just to to see them. Now they're having a parade in New York. Yeah. that's probably going to be attended by yeah. a million people. Yeah, so things have changed a lot in the last thirty years. Um, Do you think that there's something to to harken back to what you were saying, Barb, about people saying that the men's team should play the women's team or something? Some, yeah, it, it does feel like there is this very rudimentary idea of strength. This idea of men are stronger than women, sports are a physical activity, and thus men are, quote-unquote, better at it, which is preposterous. And that seems to kind of be the heart of this argument in a lot of ways. And it feels like not only is that unfortunate, but it's also they're hiding some stuff underneath a lot of that, I think. Yeah, I think think people who don't want to believe – like these are – you're just trying to change minds of people who don't want to change their minds. Like, I think people who want to believe that the women suck just say, oh, the men's game is faster, it's more physical, it's more technical. But even from what I saw in 2015 to 2019, like, they haven't, the countries that have invested in women, the, the play of this cup was so beautiful. I mean, yeah, it was awesome. technical on a different level than we've ever seen. And, and, and countries that are brand new are even, you know, because they have people to look up to now. Like, they're looking up to some of our, our American players. Like, I want to play like Tobin Heath, you know, and like, now we have these beautiful, beautiful play that I don't think you can even say yeah. the women's game isn't, isn't on par with the men's game. Do you game remember anymore. 
Did you watch the 99? Oh my God. You yes. Remember. Yes. So it was, it was, it was hugely yes. to you as well. Uh, yeah. I'd been playing soccer for six years at that point. Where'd I was you grow up? 10 years old, Houston, Texas. Okay. So, um, and I, I actually just asked my mom, were we still in the old house? So we're, we're at the first house in Houston, um, horrible blue carpet, <laughs> you know, giant TV sure. this big, but, uh, like, uh, I just, I, I was glued to the TV. Absolutely, the, entire, the, the whole tournament. But I mean, that final especially. You can't. It just that that penalty kick goes in, the shirt comes off. It's just like I. I mean, I was. I felt like I was there. Yeah. It's it's hard not to get emotional when I think about it and when I watch it too, because you're just like it, to imagine what it meant to so many women, not just women on the field, but the women that were watching it, the young girls that are watching it. It's just such a such a historic moment. Um, you know, it's, it, it was it watched by over 40 million people, mm-hmm. which is a, it is now the most, it is still the most watched soccer game in U.S. history. I mean, it's, it, it is a, it I is, wonder how many watched yesterday though. It, I think, it was around, I actually think, I think 2015 beat it. Did it not? I thought last, it, it last, be, I think it was because there were more games and it might've been on more channels. So they were able to accrue more numbers, sure. but yeah, yesterday's I think was was just shy of twenty, if I'm not mistaken. I think they think it's going to be the third most. Yeah, yeah. But again, like, there's so many different ways of watching it today. I yeah, there were a bunch of people streaming it. There were other yeah. people, like, so it, it's hard to really. Yeah, there are the yeah. watch parties attended by five hundred thousand. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's, it's which is like, like a blessing, you know? Like, right. It's so the it's, coolest thing in the world. Yeah. we don't have yeah. that in our country where everybody in the country. Yeah. Goes to their major hubs. I mean, they, they were showing it on TV from Kansas City to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania to Austin, Texas, here in LA. We don't have that. That never happens. Doesn't happen during the yeah. Olympics. Yeah. Um, it's, it's an amazing thing. It happens everywhere else in the world. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, yeah. it's, it is what it is that the men's team isn't any good, but it would be amazing if the men's team were good too. Sure. To have this. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Twice every four years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I agree. this kind of, cause there is a little rah rah with the men's team when they like even make it, you know, into group play. But um, it's not like this. It just can't be. Yeah, it's it is. I mean, it's it's a crazy thing how globally important this sport is. Yeah, and how domestically it doesn't seem to be. Now, this obviously being the outlier of that. But it's like even when the World Cup, World Cup, World quote unquote World Cup, World Cup happens. I mean, then the men even make it into it. Yeah, it, it feels like an afterthought. It doesn't feel like anyone really believes in the team because I, they're not probably particularly competitive. Again, yeah, sports. <laughs> but I'm just speaking to you know the exposure that I've had to it. It's it's just very interesting to sort of see how it. Sorry. It's two different things. Yeah, there's the World Cup and then there's America in the World Cup, and in the women's game, those two things come together, right? Yep. So you have – I think the World Cup, the Women's World Cup would be relevant in America no matter what. Just like I think the Men's World Cup is relevant in America no matter what. But I do think that you know you have a pretty large subset that we didn't have 20 years ago of sports fans who were also really big soccer fans. Mm-hmm. So you have people who follow the Champions League or follow the Premier League um, – European leagues, even South American leagues in ways that never happened when we were growing up. People did not even acknowledge it. Now you have it on Fox proper. Um, That's unusual. That's that's a new thing for me. But um, So I do think that when the World Cup happens, it does kind of have this almost Olympic thing Mm -hmm. going on. But the Women's World Cup is a different thing because not only does it have this women's – I'm sorry, this Olympic thing, but we have a horse in the race. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And that's pretty exciting too. Like – can I ask a stupid question? 
Have we ever hosted the World Cup? Mm-hmm. The men's? Oh, the men's? Yes. Yeah. When, when was it? Uh, mm. Mid-90s? Yeah. And, and I'm assuming we didn't compete, or if we did, we... we no, we were, were in, because host cups get, you know, an automatic <laughs> that, bid, but... You get in no matter what if you're the host. Cool. Yeah. But but we were kicked out pretty quickly? I don't remember okay. exactly, but in, yeah, we've never gone in, very far. It was 90, I want to say it was 94. That sounds there. right to me. And then aren't they, but isn't there a joint bid with Mexico and Canada coming up they're in trying the next to, few years? They're, yes. So there's like a North American bid with... With Canada and Mexico. It was the 1994 World Cup was here. Um, I'm trying to see where exactly. Uh, it was all over the place. Yeah, it was all over the place. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the other thing, too, that I – that I mean, first of all, I love that this final was at the Rose Bowl. So in 2026, in there's going to be a U.S.-Canada-Mexico oh, joint wow. World Cup. And the sites – let's see if they have the sites that's listed. That's crazy. The sites listed in Canada, it'll be Montreal, Edmonton, and Toronto. Okay. <laughs> uh, Mexico, Mexico City, Monterey, and Guadalajara. And in the United States, it's going to be nine places because we rule. <laughs> LA, NYC, DC, Dallas, Kansas City, Denver, Houston, Baltimore, and Atlanta. Oh, more than that. Sorry. Not <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Atlanta, Philadelphia, Nashville, Seattle, San Francisco, Boston, Whoa. Cincinnati, Miami, and Orlando. And uh, so that's, that's in 2026. Is that what you're saying? 2026. I don't even know if they're going to have that many games, <laughs> uh, or if America will exist then. <laughs> well, that's really the Canada question. will exist. <laughs> yeah, we'll all um, be Canada. So uh, th- that's a little bit of a segue, and I don't want us to like fall down a rabbit hole on this, but I do think that part of why this team is so special has a lot to do with Megan, and has a lot to do with sort of the lightning rod that she has become um, in all the best possible ways. I mean, she should be the president right now, as far as I'm concerned. Um, Too young. Is she? She's about to turn 35 this week. <laughs> Perfect. She's building to her candidacy. Close. Yeah. Oh. So, and forgive me, how do we pronounce her last name? Rapino. Rapino. Um, I, again, such a huge novice, not just at, at soccer, but in most sports. So I'm not going to sit here and say that I, I'm deferring all of this to both of you. But so for me, it's, it's far more on an emotional level than it is on a, on a sort of technical understanding or, or a backstory or, or any of that sort of stuff. But when I read the article that Sue Bird, which I read this morning, that she, awesome. which is just a tremendous fucking article and everyone should search it out. Um, it, it's because it's like, it transcends the sport. Are you familiar with Sue Bird at all? No. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> she's, not, she's, she's not. I know she's a basketball player. Oh, she's, she's the basketball yes, player. She's a very prominent basketball player. There's a period of time where she was the best in the world. Really? So not anymore because like it's not really – it's just very hard to be like the best in the world in your mid-30s. Sure. But uh, yeah, she was like the best in the world for probably – I mean Diana Taurasi was, well, right, was a little better right, than her I guess. Right. But just one of the top three in the world for a very long time. So she's like a very like this isn't it isn't this just isn't just someone are, are they married no 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 Not so yet. this is just someone's girlfriend she's like this is a big deal too that she kind of I mean put, I was able to she put her, that she, she <laughs> was yeah. an, an she put her figure. name out there right. like and, like and, and as far as I know she's never been particularly political so no she wasn't even really out you know until recently right whereas Megan's kind of been doing that thing for a while but so I don't again I don't I don't know much about them as a couple but. In the cursory reading that I did over the past couple of days, I mean, they are obviously a power couple. I mean, they are yeah. both at the peak of their, you know, athleticism. Mm-hmm. It's an unbelievable thing. And they also just seem like 
just really cool people that I wish I could hang out with. Like they just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I, there was a, there was a humility in that art baked into that article of just, of being a human being and sort of the, the domesticity, if you will, of just like being a couple and yeah. loving your girlfriend and seeing how special and awesome she is and trying to sort of just, learn from her abilities, not just athletically, but from a mentality and a sort of how she sees the world. Just real quick. This was in the players yeah. tribune. This was uh, a response to basically Trump. Um, just kind of putting Megan Rapinoe on blast for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Sue Bird coming to her girlfriend's defense publicly and in, in a real kind of playful way, which I think is yeah. the appropriate way to go yeah. back at this idiot. <laughs> so, um, it yeah, was, it was just sort of, I, I loved the, I guess the idea of like perception, yeah. you know, in this, this, how we perceive people that we put on pedestals, people that are, that are amazing at whatever the thing is that they do. Um, and how sort of Sue was able to say how difficult it is for her to be as not cavalier necessarily, but sort of, there is a carefree quality to Megan, it seems at least from, from this article, um, and how hard that is for some people and that the confidence that comes with that. And, um, yeah, she's just she's she's an amazing human being. They both are amazing people, and and I think that part of why this team was so important is because of the fact that there's a pushback on so many political ideas. Yeah, I think this this cup really felt like they were playing for the marginalized, like in America. They didn't just represent women. It was you know you have Rapino, you have Ali Krieger saying you know we don't stand for what Trump stands for, and that, you know they're playing. They're playing for the queer people. They're playing for the black people. They're playing for, you know, women. And it, I thought it was a really interesting tournament to have all of that going on outside of it. And also how important it is to the global stage yeah. for, for people to hear these athletes speaking out against what Trump stands for. Yeah. It's an interesting kind of uh, sub point. That doesn't get brought up in the media because I think everyone's a little too afraid, but I'm not afraid of anything. So, <laughs> Behind uh, this microphone. You yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they know where to find me. Um, that, of course, so the world, the Women's World Cup team, rightfully so, is, is presented as kind of a feminist statement against an entrenched patriarchy, uh, particularly in the world of sports, mm-hmm. but in America and kind of in the world at large. Um, there's a very strong queer undercurrent to mm-hmm. the world, to the women's world cup team as well. Mm-hmm. Um, before Megan Rapinoe, there was Abby Wambach, mm-hmm. very prominent gay Americans, um, best players on the team, more or less, you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't think the media is comfortable talking about, um, what I'm going to suggest, which is that this is incredibly important to the gay community as yeah. well. Uh, I, I mean, Barbara, do you have any thoughts on that or, or do you have anything? But I, I think like this tournament is kind of where we're seeing maybe that's going to change. But yeah, we had, we had five out players on the team this year. Netherlands had five out players. I mean, that's a cup of 10 out athletes and playing in a final. I don't, I, I think that's the gayest game like ever played in professional sports. Who are the out athletes on the United States? Uh, Rapino, Tierna Davidson, Adriana, Adriana French, French, sorry, excuse me, um, Ali Krieger and Ashlyn Harris, who the two of them are actually a couple, which they've been for years. Are but they married? Not yet. Okay. Were they the ones on on uh, Alex Morgan's Instagram talking about my wife? I don't. I don't. I didn't. See, I'm not on like Instagram. That, Yikes. Well, 
Barbara doesn't. Like Alex Instagram. Morgan. Alex Morgan basically <laughs> just like. Inst- Instagrammed the entire celebration. Oh yeah, which is oh, awesome. Amazing. Yes. <laughs> and then there were two that were talking about uh, that they were like married, but it's hard to say whether it was a work wife situation, right? right? <laughs> wife situation. But yeah. But also Kelly O'Hara, who is not out, kissed her girlfriend after the game. So it, it's like oh. you know. But I think having five, maybe six, maybe there's more who aren't out. Like having. A plethora of representation, queer representation. I mean, that's that's one thing. Like Abby Wambach, she's one kind of queer person, and then you have six other to yeah. choose from. Like, yeah, you're saying it's going to matter to like queer kids and people. Like, look at all the different people they can look up to, diff- uh, different colors, you know, different relationships, like different hairstyles. Like that stuff matters, you know. Absolutely. It it's it's been this weird kind of uh, it's it's its own little in Hollywood. There's a cellular closet, right? Mm-hmm. The idea that particularly gay men for years and years and years had to stay in the closet and play straight roles. Um, because and, it felt limiting if other – I mean the idea that like you – If you come out, you'll be typecast as, right. as gay oh, yeah. and um, it could be very hard for right. you at that point to go on and play straight roles. And I don't really even think that started to get changed until Rupert Everett yeah. and – and Neil Patrick Harris, Neil Patrick Harris yeah, for sure. um, in particular, mm-hmm. and Matt, ba- Matt Bomer to some extent um, as well. But uh, and we're close, to Zachary Quinto as well. Like we're we're getting better. Mm-hmm. We're better than we ever were. I mean, it was yeah. this wasn't a possibility twenty years ago, and we see it in movie after movie yeah. after movie. We're not going to see one movie in nineteen ninety nine where an out gay actor mm-hmm. played a straight role in a romantic lead. It just didn't happen. Do we think that it applies to women as well? Um, do I think it play? Of course, Jodie I mean, Foster know, didn't come out. Jodie mm-hmm. Foster didn't come out until. I mean, in the sense, like Anne Hash, when she, you know, I mean, she had there was that. You know, I mean, there, there right. seems to be. It applies to women as well, but sides. but the the point I'm making about sports yeah. is for years and years and years, uh, female athletes had to pretend they were straight. Mm-hmm. Brianna Scurry, who were gonna, you know, the yep. goalie in yeah. 1999, didn't come out while she was playing. Really? You know, her team knew she was gay, but she never. It was never public. Huh. And, well, I remember yeah. Sue Bird. I remember. Yeah. You know, and when she just came out of UConn, because she was a very big player at UConn, and they win every year, and whoever their best player is kind of just becomes a national celebrity, um, was always kind of put into this, like, because she's very attractive, like this, like, young, hot thing box. Mm-hmm. And it always kind of felt a little awkward on her. Um, and I don't think she ever really wanted to go down that road, but but there was money to be made. There. Yeah. Um, so I do think that there's, like, kind of a sports version, particularly with ESPN, you know they've gotten better, but refusing to acknowledge that there's significant queer queer representation in on the, both the men's side and the women's side, but in particular on the women's side, mm-hmm. um, for years and years and years, it was as, as if women could not come out. So that I think that's another thing that we've gotten better with as a culture. Not quite there, but it is promising. Yeah, and I think the '99 team had a lot to do with that. Definitely. I mean, I think they sort of set the way to talk about women. Like when I wa- went back and rewatched the game, there's, the commentators are saying things like, oh, none of these athletes are capable to make this save or to make this touch as the men are. And like now no commentator's ever going to say, you know, like, so it changed the way we talk about women athletes. And now I think we're, yeah, exactly what you're saying. We're getting to a point where we can actually talk about queer athletes. Or we can, yeah. Race in sports. I mean, you know, like there's, it's so many things still left to uncover. I think that the documentary does something else as well. And, and, and the AV club has, did a great article about it. Um, but just the sort of, 
there seems to be a, or at least on the 99 team, mm-hmm. this idea of we are a team. No one want, you know, uh, Mia Hamm was a little truculent with the media, but more than anything was all about like, we did this together. Mm-hmm. This was a group effort. There isn't a superstar. This is about us doing it together. And I think that, that you don't see that in sports as often as we should. You know, you see a lot of superstars that are singled out and whether or not they're conscious of it or not, uh, they tend to kind of soak up that limelight in a way that, that can make the other players feel less than. Um, so to see all these girls, I mean, there's this, there's this great quote from, um, uh, forgive me as I, as I find it from, from, I think it's from, uh, uh, I think it's from Michelle Ackers. Akers. Yeah. Akers. My apologies. Um, she, <laughs> I'm sorry. No. Um, you know what? Actually, I'm sorry. It's not. It's from uh, it's from Brianna who said, um, and it was because everybody did their job. I remember Tony telling me very distinctly, if you do your job, just make one save, everybody is going to do their job. I completely and utterly believe that. So I had no doubt everybody would make their kick. It was just the culture of the team. Mm-hmm. That just th- – that they were – as overused as, as familial is, they were a family. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? There really was mm-hmm. this – and I don't – I don't know if it's a I, – I hate, I'd hate to think that it is a gender thing, but there is something about this team, the 99 team, and then, and then to, to some mm-hmm. degree the, the current team, mm-hmm. that just feels bound to each other in a way that is just the way sports should be played, or at least team sports should be played. And we don't see that enough. I think – I think it has a lot to do with women, and I, I think that's because they, the game is so much more than about just the game. They're not afforded the opportunity to right. just play soccer. They, they're dealing with all these other things, and without that support, you're going to fall apart. But in looking at that team, you know, in, in the documentary, just how much fun they had, I don't, I've never seen that sort of on a men's side, because I think without it, they, there's no way they could have handled all that pressure that they were put under to make make this cup actually mean something and, and push the women's game forward. You know, they're singing in the locker rooms, they're competing over like their drug tests, like who can pee yeah, the most. And yeah. it's just like one of the yeah. best things, but, <laughs> but, and also, but you look at this team now in 2019 and again, we've talked about the different personalities and people on that team, but it's the exact same thing. They're all, they're all playing for each other and they all are unbelievably supportive of each other. I think, in the opening match of this cup when, you know, the women demolished Thailand 13 to zero, they got a lot of crap for their celebrations, but what they were, they were celebrating each other. I mean, it was not an arrogance. It was just like, I'm so proud of this person that I've been training with for years and years and years. And I, you know, I don't, I've never seen that on a men's side ever. I wonder as well. And, and, I'm sort of forming this thought as so forgive me, but this idea of, of sort of stereotypes, and 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 perhaps what a what a male athlete is perhaps boxed in in a way that female athletes aren't. There's a freedom for them perhaps to be more themselves, mm-hmm. for them to embrace each other, for mm-hmm. them to, to to be to care more. Quite mm-hmm. frankly, mm-hmm. Uh, whereas men are so. And I'm again, I don't know a lot about male athletes, so I'm le- sort of more teeing this up for you, Kenny, to talk about. But that idea of how you have to act and this sort of bravado that you have to, that you have to have, I guess, to some degree as a male athlete. I think you're totally right. Okay, good. I do. I think you're totally right. I think that, uh, there are two points. One that you said, which is essentially, I think that it was considered to be, um, let's use the word uncool to be supportive of your teammates. Um, (laughs) that's changed a bit. Right. But, uh, I think that, you know, the, the Michael Jordan model where 
uh, you kind of yell at your teammates and embarrass your teammates and, and treat them like shit if they're not Scottie Pippen has <laughs> gone away a little bit. Um, now that's, we're not there, yeah. but I think there's, I think particularly basketball teams are having more fun than they used to have, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, like each other more than they used to like, like each other. And, um, it's less, it's less, uh, embarrassing to be a good friend. to be a good friend and a good guy and it's more embarrassing to be an asshole so that's changed which is nice right like being an asshole is not is not there's there's no cultural value in that anymore the way there used to be do you think social media has something to do with that uh i think social media has a little bit to do with it i think um in basketball in particular it's true in soccer too um, these kids have been playing together since they're right. in middle school. They've known each other forever. They've been on each other's teams. They've been against each other. They're yeah. the only people who understand what they go through. This is true for women's teams as well. Mm-hmm. There's something about like LeBron, Carmelo, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Paul knowing each other from when they're really young and like banding together when they're young and saying like, we're not going to let them get us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's helped like mm-hmm. that generation that's in general kind of be – LeBron in particular is a really good citizen. I was going to say he's a good – that's one good dude. Like, yeah. He's a good citizen. Yeah. And I think his like – his kind of you know altruism and the way he's treated his teams, yeah. um, his commitment to charity and, and kind of the, the example he set with his family, that's been really good for the league. I think Kevin Durant and Steph Curry have kind of taken that mantle on as well. And you don't really see the thing that you're talking about. Now, he gets accused of it all the time, you know, just like Alex Morgan's getting accused of being like – Insensitive with her tea celebration, but like, which I think is dunk ridiculous. on the dunk on the Brits all day as far <laughs> as, that. but uh, so that's the one thing with 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 respect to what you're talking about. The other thing is like, um, this is touched on in the documentary, but uh, it's generally true that like, except for the uber uber talented point one percent of female athletes. You're not going to make a living doing this or you don't have a huge expectation of making a living mm-hmm. doing this. Okay. Right? So most of the athletes on that soccer team got into it because they love it. Right? Whereas a lot of male athletes get into it because they're six foot seven and they just kind of kick ass anyway and it's a way to become a millionaire by the time you're 25. So – Okay. Um, and there is also value – in turning yourself into a brand. Yeah. I was going to say, is yeah. it, I imagine it's more difficult, or at least the sponsorships for the soccer team, the, the women's soccer team, I imagine are considerably different than the sponsorships that you get as a male athlete in, for, in basketball or football. I doubt that's true. I doubt oh, really? that's okay. true right now. Okay. No, historically, yes, but I think within but a, team, yeah, the last, but the last few years, I think Nike and Adidas said, you know, we're going to. We'll sponsorships are going to be Nike equal. Ads, my God, the Nike ads are. Just, <laughs> no, I, 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 uh, I got to say they give me chills like every things, time I watch them. Yes, it's kind of what I like. What I mean when I, I started, things have gotten better. Yeah, like things have just gotten better in general. I mean, I bring this to wrestling all the time because it's on my mind all the time. But like, <laughs> I see it in WWE. I don't know how familiar with WWE you are. Bro. Nope. <laughs> WWE for its entire. Uh, existence was really kind of misogynistic and kind of like regressive. And about five years ago, something happened where this group of younger female wrestlers – I don't know if you saw the movie Fighting With My Family. No. The one The Rock did about yeah. this wrestler page. But mm-hmm. it's a really good movie and it, she was kind of on the forefront of um, 
I'm not, I refuse to be treated like an object. I refuse to be treated like a sex symbol. I will be treated like a wrestler. Okay. And once she stood up and another group of, of women, and they're probably like all told maybe 10 who are on the leading edge of this, mm-hmm. the fans just kind of got on board. Like something really weird happened in the world of wrestling where the fans just stopped like, you know, treating them like, mm. like, Sex objects started treating them like athletes to the point where you had Ronda Rousey in a main event with two other women at WrestleMania, which is insane. I can't really – at Giant Stadium at the end, I can't really explain how insane of a concept that would have been three or four years ago to have women finishing the final event of this final show and have everybody stay for the final event and have everybody – or the final match and have everybody um, get into it. And not even feeling like it was social progress as much as this was the right thing to do at the time. Mm-hmm. So I saw it there happen in real time. I've seen it in basketball happen to some extent. Soccer for sure. Tennis for sure. Um, Nike ads, things like that. I've seen like, for instance, LeBron's doing Space Jam this year. <laughs> Space Jam 2. Space Jam 2. Um, he's included four WNBA players in this. Oh, awesome. So like he's made a big point. He's also on – uh, the shop on his show, the shop, uh, Elena Della Don has oh, been cool. on it before. Um, Candace Parker has been on it. Who Candace Parker's a really big, uh, women's basketball player. Elena Della Don is as well. Like he's, there's just been this, this, the NBA has been okay in that respect, including them, including WNBA players and, uh, women's all-star games to the point where at the beginning it was kind of like, why are they here? And now it's just, oh, this is just part of what we do. There's been this, it's this idea that it's better – the best thing to be is just progressive because you understand that it's the right thing to do. The second best thing is to understand that there's societal pressure mm-hmm. and go along with it. And even if you're just you know in your head, you're still like kind of an aggressive, sexist person, understand that the, that's where society is going because the next generation won't know the difference. Right. Um, and I think that's kind of what's happened. I think like to the point where my son doesn't really – differentiate between men's athletes and women's athletes. They're all just kind of athletes, mm-hmm. you know? And there was no difference yesterday. In fact, he was significantly more into than my daughter, but there is no, <laughs> just because she's not really into sports, right, but, right, right. The, but there's really no difference between watching a men's game, watching a, a female, I'm uh, sorry, a men's game and a women's game for him. Um, I mean, the opposite thing in entertainment is this Captain Marvel thing, which has been like revolutionary for my daughter. Mm-hmm. So, Oh yeah. This like, Women can be superhero, not even like, you know. It's more- interesting that Captain Marvel was the one because we did have, you know, we had Star Wars. We had Ray in Star Wars recently. Well, and- she saw the Ray movie, all the Star Wars movies too, and that helped to some extent, but, but this it movie wasn't just called, so it wasn't called, it wasn't, it wasn't called Ray, <laughs> you know, and like, same with like, movie. yeah, like Guardians of the Galaxy, and we yeah. saw, you know, Rag- Ragnarok, and like, they were obviously. Right. Female heroes into these, in these movies, but she's yeah. not the same, yeah, not, you know, it's yeah. not and Wonder the- Woman. It mattered a little bit, but Wonder Woman isn't for kids. Like we watch it, and like you know how I feel. I think that movie's boring, and like, <laughs> and I know you. I, I, I think it's boring. We watched it, and it just it didn't really connect with her the way Captain Marvel did. Okay, so whatever. Listen, so, that's that's that's, it's great that's my long rant about how corporations <laughs> being 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 yeah. held by the nose, being pulled along by the nose, uh, have actually wound up doing the right thing for society. And um, but I do wonder another thing. This is totally different thing but has pride become too 
to corporate. Corporate. hundred <laughs> percent. It's really weird. hundred percent. Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> why is, why, what, what's good? I, because corporations saw a market, you yeah. know, like every pride event sponsored by Budweiser. Budweiser. Now. Yeah. You know, um, it's also, I think yes to that, <laughs> but I also think to your point, it's not bad to be progressive anymore. Like I think no, that it's good. It's good to right. be. It's bad whereas to be like regressive. corporations used to be apolitical. They wanted to stay out of the fray. And I think that now they're seeing. I mean, again, this is you know some sort of a offshoot of the Trump of it all. But it does feel as though they want to look like the good guys. Yeah, you know I mean, they don't want to look like they're. I mean, every time you have one of these fucking Fox News people speak up, a whole bunch of advertisers run for the hills because they don't want to be associated with this type of rhetoric. So I think that pride is. You know, I think it's – yeah, I think it's just making sure that those people put their money where their mouth is <laughs> sure. like all the time and in hiring and in, yeah. you know, workplace yeah. discrimination policy. Like it, right. it's a lot more than just putting some money behind a parade, you know, but right. – um, It's, it's yeah. interesting because we I, – I, Barbara and I were, were texting a little bit about this and I'm curious as to your thoughts too. But oh, yeah. uh, about the Taylor Swift single that came out that – that, concurrently with with pride and uh, and then a music video filled with gay people and and my, i'm not i'm not you're gonna have to give me more oh, i okay. haven't seen it so she, she had a single that came out two three weeks ago mm-hmm, now something mm-hmm. like that called uh something about you, need, calm, to calm, you down. need to calm down who directed it uh she co-directed it with somebody else i, I thought i thought but um and it was a uh the song is sort of a rally cry, I guess, for for gay rights to a certain degree. I, again, I'm not. I don't want to yeah. put words in your no. Mouth, I, I but it, it's it's a little bit of a. It, first of all, it's, the song's fine. Uh, that's the problem. I think like it's, it's, it's not, not even a, a good Taylor. Like she has yeah. hits. That's not. It's, it's not, not even that good. <laughs> so there's the 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 sort of echo chamber. People online were were a little upset because they felt that she was trying to make money off of. The gay rights movement that and and that it was too little, too late to a certain degree since she's been so apolitical for such a long time. Um, you know, twenty sixteen, she barely Instagrammed a photo of her in line voting. You know, she just didn't really. She was scared of politics. Is yeah. the impression that I got. She didn't want to alienate anybody in the process, so she was just like, "Fuck it, I'm just going to stay out of the fray." And now, to her credit, and I believe she deserves some credit. Better late than never, to a certain degree. She's gotten into this. The reason I bring it up is because it, it does feel like it does stem from what we're talking about, which is people that are more comfortable being a part of the conversation when it comes to, to gay people, but also, and this is the thing that Taylor was tagged with, which is, is she trying to make money off of it? I want to hear. Your take on this, Barbara. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Before I weigh in. Yeah. No, I mean, we already talked about it. I think it's just, I don't know what the answer is in terms of how does she prove that she's really yeah. who she's trying, who she said she is right now. And maybe it is who she's always been, but it's like, if you aren't speaking up for the most vulnerable and the most marginalized, and then all of a sudden, you know, here you are, it, it's tricky. I think, I think it has to come from the community saying, you know, you've done the work you've put in. And I think she's making those steps. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, I think anyone can feel how they want to feel about that because it's, I think it's a good, by the way, on her part. Well, right. But I, you know, you and I spoke and I think the more young kids in the South who are seeing their heroes say it's okay to be gay is a good thing. No bad can come from that. But, um, she's also possibly hurt a lot of people on the way and that's, she's going to have to figure that out. Yeah, uh, I feel like I'm just gonna sum up what, what you guys are saying because you're, you're you're saying all the things I want to say, but uh, 
so with with regard to this particular particular point, um, this is true across the board when it comes to marginalized people, um, where people who aren't marginalized, white men, uh, white women who are privileged, like a Taylor Swift, um, get on board late, and then get on board late once it's proven to be profitable, <laughs> and then. Um, take kind of their their place at the top of this like uh progressive totem pole where the most money is to be the most money is made so it's one thing to it's one thing that she hurt people on the way up which is probably true by not speaking out it's another thing that she now um if there is and there's not a not a zero sum game but let's just for the, the sake of the discussion say it is if there's a certain pot of people who are willing to spend their money on progressive mm-hmm. pride Ideas wrapped around pride, she's taken a large chunk of that at the top, right? So that's appropriation to some extent. And people don't talk about that that much uh, with regards to gay and lesbian art, um, which some say – some might say is all art. <laughs> so no, I mean it, like it is. So like there's, there's, there's that idea and like I see this a lot in Broadway, another thing that I'm fairly obsessed with. Um, Where's that podcast? Some musicals, I imagine, at some point this year. Well, I wonder what came out in '99, but I love Broadway, yeah. you know. And um, so it is, Barbara. Yes, it's an interesting kind of place to live because Broadway. I'm reading a book right now, um, Barbara. You should read this. And I'll give it to you because it's hard to find. It's called The Season by William Goldman. I don't know if you read it. It's awesome. But basically, you know who William Goldman is, right? No. Uh, he wrote uh, Princess Bride, okay. and Butch, Butch Cassidy, Sundance too. Kid, okay. and then he wrote um, Adventures in the Screen Trade, which is like yeah. more or less the reason I want to be a writer. But in 1968, before any of this, he wrote um, like a play-by-play, musical-by-musical, production-by-production breakdown of the entire 1968 oh, wow. Broadway season. Yeah. And oh, wow. for whatever reason, like I know maybe – a fifth of the players, and uh, it is a little hard to like kind of get over that. But he's a brilliant writer. He's brilliant in like kind of this reporting way, and um, and it's a really interesting kind of kind of under- way to think about like uh, the way Broadway was now, the way Broadway is, the, the way it was then, the way it is now, the way it's evolved, and like how the business changed and hasn't changed, and how it kind of you know to some extent wags the dogs. And I think it wags the dog. Um. Mostly in that Broadway is where gay ideas lived first, you know, um, both in straight plays and musicals. And then, you know, it had kind of went through the, the, the culture of like New York elite taste. And then that which survived made it to Hollywood or mm-hmm. other places in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was kind of taken over by a straighter often whiter group of people mm-hmm. who co-opted it and turned it into whatever. Cats. <laughs> like, <laughs> like what I don't like, I mean, what do they really turn it into? Cause like, actually like all musicals are pretty gay, but uh, <laughs> like, I can't think of anything, but okay. point is, yeah, like, so you see it in like in, in musicals and that, that only way, only reason I kind of got here was like, this is kind of what Taylor Swift is, is doing to some extent. But, like, is it so bad that these ideas are being mainstreamed? Like, isn't that in some way? 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The goal to, to change minds. Yeah, so I mean, I, 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 yeah. I, I see it from both sides and I see it with race as well. Like, it's really kind of shitty when an Iggy Azalea co ops black music sure. and, you know, has number one records. However, like when hip hop hits Australia and Azalea is like an eight year old in a room and she's listening to like Lil' Kim and Foxy Brown and she gets inspired, like this is gonna happen. So it's it's I'm I don't mean to defend it. I, I feel like I'm, it's kind of turning into a defense. No, no, no. It's I, not. I don't think it's I, just a yeah. sticky kind of situation. It is. And you know, it's it's why, you know, I reached out to Barbara because I wanted to hear her thoughts about it. I texted her about the, the Taylor Swift situation because I, I sort of, I wasn't really sure I was seeing the whole picture, which is why I wanted to hear Barbara's thoughts on it. I, you know, it's, it is, it's as, as is the case, it seems like with Taylor Swift in general, she seems to exist in some sort of weird gray zone all the time where there's sort of, you know, she's trying to have her cake and eat it too all the time. Um, and in the process, she pisses people off and that's, you know, that's how it is. Um, I think, it's, I think it's really easy to hit Taylor Swift. No, I, I get that. I think she really – she like, like there's a real cynical take on Taylor Swift, which is she puts her finger up, sees which way the wind blows, goes in that direction and also happens to write these like really great songs. So it's just also this really like kind of easily digestible sure. di- 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 package that, that is almost irresistible. It's mm-hmm. irresistible to me in some ways. I, I, um, I, I enjoy her music. But it's super easy to like hate her. As a, as a person, I think it's probably pretty easy to – No, to as an like, artist, it's easy to hate her. Okay, we're we're sort of. We're, I think we're, we're saying she's a country artist thing. who now does like she's a country artist who now does like electro pop. So like it's very. I don't, easy I don't to, take issue with artists that evolve and musically and change over over the course of their careers. I'm just putting out a case. I listen to Taylor too. I know, but like it's not like she evolved. Like let's say Beck evolved, um, where Beck just kind of kept finding his new lanes that weren't established by someone else, or Tom York is doing, or even like Lady Gaga does to some extent. She is the 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 road's been paved by other people, right? Yeah, this, yeah. This isn't a podcast about Taylor Swift, though. No, no. I know the point. The, the other point is the other point is okay. So that's all music. That's all music, film. That's all art, right? Yeah. That's all things that are at some level subjective. Mm-hmm. The thing about sports is it really is a meritocracy, mm-hmm. and. If our women, American women, are the best, you can't ignore that. And if our women include five out athletes, you can't ignore that. So sports often, you know, just as like 
true with race, sports often are the ones that are pushing marginalized people into the forefront because the best are the best, right? And you, there are no arbiters who can kind of bring that down. I mean, there are winners and losers. Like that's winners the thing. and losers. I mean, there are monsters yeah. who like who do try to like you know right. kick marginalized people out, but you really can't ignore it. If like Martina Navratilova is the best tennis player in the world, well, because it's, it's not subjective, which is that's that's, what I'm that's yeah that's the beauty of so. sports, I think, to a certain degree, which is you're you're either great at it, or per- perhaps you're not. But then it puts an undue responsibility on these people to mm-hmm. be you know not everyone's Billie Jean King, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and it's kind of amazing when you have a Megan Rapinoe who's willing to stand up in front of the team and be someone to kick the ball down the the, mm-hmm. the field another. 20 feet. Mm-hmm. Like that's exciting. So, that's well, I, and that's actually a, a nice segue because I wanted to talk um, about the final game in 99, 99 a little bit okay. just to sort of focus on that. Um, I think that the, you know, the, the, the most cinematic or the most historic moment is the, is the kick, obviously that, that, uh, um, that Brendy kicks. And, and I think that, um, so just to give a little bit of context to people who perhaps have not watched the game, um, in the ensuing penalty shootout, the first four players scored on their shots before Liu Ying had her attempt in the third round, which was saved by uh, Brianna Scurry. Mm-hmm. Scurry was accused of cheating by Chinese media <laughs> That's because she had intentionally stepped over the goal line before saving Liu's shot. But stated, quote unquote, everybody doesn't. <laughs> um, and she's not wrong. She's not wrong. <laughs> uh, Lily and Mia Hamm uh, successfully converted their penalties, gave the Americans a lead, but Zhang uh, Wing, perhaps, and Sun Wen were able to convert theirs and keep it 4 mm-hmm. 4. So Brandy Chastain, who missed her penalty kick in the Algarve Cup mm-hmm. against the Chinese months earlier, beat goaltender Gao Hong and won the shootout 5-4 for the United States. Now, uh, Chastain celebrated by removing her jersey and revealing her sports bra underneath, creating one of the most iconic moments in women's sports history. Sports as, history. In sports history. American history. history. <laughs> sure. Uh, as it appeared <laughs> on the covers of major magazines and newspapers, the celebration was criticized for being allegedly disrespectful, unfeminine, and inappropriate, uh, but has endured as one of the most iconic moments in sports history. Uh, that picture is a picture of confidence and preparation and a journey, she said in uh, the CSBN documentary. Uh, that's not just happenstance or by luck. That was a long time in the making. The sports bra, she said, is part of the story. To get where we are now, everything has an evolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chinese media obviously protested uh, the save that's scary and all that. But I, I think did that you read the article about I the did, sports bra, which is yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's it's and and everyone should. There's a great Washington Post article. I'm not. I, I, I don't, don't know, know if I sent it, it yeah. to you or not. It was, this, it was just this week. It yeah, came out. it was fantastic because yeah. first of all, I learned about the history of the sports bra, which I didn't <laughs> know. But that was what was fascinating about it. Was just you. It there's something so binary and beautiful about the biology of it. Do you know what I mean? Like women wanted to play sports and some women had issues in terms of pain when it came to their breasts and what have you. And this sports bra save created that scenario for them. It mm-hmm. is, it is an, a, a tremendous invention that allowed for us to be where we are today. And I think it's, I think it's a fascinating thing. And I think this, it's incredible. This you really image, think about it. It's, it's incredible. incredible. Like, and this image so perfectly, captures that not just the the you know her on you know her sliding on her knees and you know just an incredible image of, a, of an athlete doing something amazing but then you know just to see i don't know I, it's and she has it framed in her house mm-hmm. apparently mm-hmm. uh it's just a great thing uh and 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 it does sort of encapsulate i think so much of why this game was so important mm-hmm. um you know it, it is it's it doesn't surprise me that people were perhaps shocked by it they needed to be shocked by it. Like, it, it, do you sort of know what I'm saying? 
Well, it's like right now. It's like it's like there's a there's always going to be a subset of assholes looking for something <laughs> to get angry about, yeah. and now they're getting angry about. Yeah. Particularly Alex Morgan's tea celebration. Mm-hmm. I don't see yeah. it as much with Meg Rapinoe's like kind of arms out, yeah. the, her like, kind of iconic pose. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah. Well, so is the tea. Yeah. Like yeah. it's I. I think that that they would have. I think that this subset of assholes would have gotten angry no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, I've how much? What I'm trying to say is basically like sometimes these iconic sports moments need to be punctuated by something like this, mm-hmm. like something we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Some iconic picture. It happens a lot. Um, you know, I remember like Jordan crying after his dad yeah. died. He's crying in the locker room holding the Larry O'Brien trophy. That remind me, there was this great, um, I don't know if you guys, I don't know if Barbara, are you a football fan? Yeah. And more oh, college than in Texas. It. Yeah. So yeah. remember when, when Texas beat USC? Oh, yeah. And Vince Young stands up on the thing and the confetti's coming down. He puts his hand up like that iconic. It was the best, best football game I ever saw. And like that shot was just so perfect. Yeah. It's not really a shot as much as like it really is like a gif. But <laughs> you have to have him put his arm up. It's so cool. But like sometimes in these like iconic sports moments, Jordan hitting that final three and jumping, like you need to be punctuated by some visual. Crazy. You just need a visual. Yeah, yeah. And like without this, I mean – I don't know what it would have been. They would have found something yeah. um, because you need something. But like this is just so perfect. And the sports bra, when you learn about the history, of how, <laughs> how important yeah. it was uh-huh. to like what a giant leap forward it was for women's sports. Yeah. Um, it's really an incredible kind of uh, confluence of, of history and the moment and, and Brandy too. And, and yeah. I had no idea that they made her kick it with her left foot. Yeah. Yeah. And that she wasn't on the list. Like there was a whole mm. bunch of stuff in terms of who was going to be the kickers. And she had an own goal. <laughs> her her story goes back like I mean even farther. Oh, like yeah, the, please, uh, what do you got? Okay, so so she she was on the team when it started in the mid eighties, you know, they won in ninety one and after that she was cut from the team. Anson Dorrance, who coached at UNC, which is probably the most prolific like women's soccer uh club in in history. Um he said she wasn't fit. And she wasn't dedicated and he just cut her and she went and played in Japan where people thought she wasn't going to do, she wasn't going to grow at all. And that was going to be the end of Brandy Chastain. And then, um, in 96, when the, the women's soccer was at the Olympics for the very first time, um, the women of course were told they were not going to be paid the same as the men. And Julie Foudy on the 99 team called Billie Jean King and she said, go on strike. Like if, if they're not going to pay you, you don't have to play. Billie Jean King said go on strike. Yes. Yes. And so, um, at that time they, uh, nine of the players walked from the national team and they brought in B and C players to try to build the team again. And one of those women was Brandy Chastain, who had watched in 95, you know, the United States lost the World Cup to Norway. Um, and she said, I'm going to get back on that team. And so this strike was sort of a blessing in disguise. Brandy came back on the team. And, you know, yes, the game against Germany, own goal. And then in that same game, she scored a goal herself to, to <clears throat> e- even it out. I mean, like, I just, there's such a drama and sure. storytelling in sports. It's, it, I mean, that's the thing about uh, it. I think that it's, for me, but her story, especially, I think, like she was the perfect one to sort of just cap that off based on like where she'd been. And it's, I, I, it's hard. To, I don't watch a lot of sports, 
generally I'm a pretty fair weather fan. I jump on <laughs> in the playoffs. And if it's a team that's from Toronto or Canada, that's, that's my MO, which I fully admit to. Um, worked out well this year. It's, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Probably not next year considering no, the trades that just happened. Whatever. Um, but I, I do think that there's something about the emotional release of seeing a team win something like this. And I imagine it's tenfold for someone who's watched every game or has been invested mm-hmm. in the team for, for many, many years. But it just, like, it, it just, it gives me goosebumps to think about how these people push themselves mm-hmm. and, and the physical ability and talent and, and just, you know, there, there's two quotes that I wanted to, to read here that I, that I do think are, are, sort of illuminate my point. At a recent panel discussion commemorating the 99 World Cup Championship, Chastain was asked about how kicking the winning penalty changed her life. She said, my life changed dramatically when I joined this team, said Chastain 50, gesturing to the former teammates on the panel. It changed because of the influence of the of all these women from 91 to now. Being given the opportunity and trust of taking the fifth penalty kick forever changed my life. But really, being with these women and watching them work every day, being such a great influence on my life as a person was the greatest part. Which again sort of speaks to this idea of of a unit mm-hmm. and about a group of people working mm-hmm. together. But then you you read about Michelle Akers, Akers, Akers yeah. sorry, <laughs> uh, and how she was injured during the last yeah. game. She's basically running on fumes, and yeah. it seemed like she had been doing that for the better part of the tournament, for all intents and purposes, for years Decade, actually. Yeah, yeah. just, just, and it's unbelievable. So at the end of regulation, Acres uh, smacked into Scurry on a Chinese corner kick and slumped woozily to the turf. Mm-hmm. After being let off the field, she was surrounded by doctors trying to decide whether her concussion and dehydration merited a trip to the emergency room. Acres. Uh, said late Saturday night after absorbing four liters of fluid intravenously, twice the post-game dosage she normally receives to combat chronic fatigue syndrome. Akers was so loony, in fact, that during the extra time she kept asking for the score, even though a TV in the room was turned to the game. She struggled to even follow the shootout, but when it came time for Chastain's kick, she pulled herself up to watch. As soon as Chastain scored, she ripped the IVs out of her arms, tossed aside the hostage mask, and walked hauntingly back onto of her own power onto the field for the award ceremony. I mean, it's just what a it's psycho. Incredible. It's, it's incredible. It's <laughs> I don't think there's any athlete more hardcore than Michelle Akers. Yeah, it's incredible. Seemed like it just it's just amazing stuff. So it it just it really just speaks to. The power of just of of wanting to be there with everybody, wanting to yeah. be there for your team, yeah. and to make sure that you you know that you're giving every last ounce of yourself. I mean, it's and it's. I think that's why it's so amazing to watch sports because we don't do that in regular. <laughs> I mean, we we don't yeah. we don't leave it all on the field every day. Yeah. You know, we 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 go through our lives and we put effort in when it's necessary. But I don't leave anything on the field. <laughs> <laughs> Take it all home with me. But, <laughs> But I think there's something to be said for, I mean, I also, and I don't know about you guys, but I, I, I just, there's something about camaraderie. There's something about yeah. a bunch of people working towards a common goal. It's one of the things that I love most about working in television. Yeah. It's why I love being on set. It's everyone's working towards making something and you yeah. have to physically see them make something. Uh, you know, it's not to say that I don't like being in a writer's room when we're all working towards something, but I don't know that that to me is just, and it's why I probably love Sorkin's work as well. Cause he clearly loves that stuff too. But yeah, it's just to watch this this documentary, to watch these highlights of this game, and to see these women working, these people, sorry, working so hard towards something, and then to achieve it. I just, I don't know. It's it's a it's a beautiful thing. And I think really for me, again, women are never afforded to just be there playing. Like it, th- these women were out there 
You know, they said, we're going to, we're going to have the women's world cup in the United States in 99. We're going to sell out the stadiums. And the first question comes from an American reporter saying, you're lying. There's no way you're going to sell those stadiums. So these women then go to, you know, girls soccer clubs practices and are literally selling tickets on soccer fields. I mean, it's like asking Tom Brady to sell yeah. tickets to the Super Bowl because, but they were, de- they, they knew that if they didn't fulfill this promise, you know, like they could have had these games in 5,000 seat stadiums, but no, this was, you know, the Rose Bowl soldier field. Social media too. Like, yeah. There's, there's no, you know, to have that type of. Yeah. So, gra- I mean, they themselves are going and selling tickets and putting on clinics and staying in the rain, signing autographs for girls and boys and you know their parents. Yeah. Because if if they didn't if they didn't succeed, the game was I, the game could have been done. I mean, truly, it could have been it because they had a little momentum from '91, and not much. You know, there was it was there was nowhere to go. Like the '96 Olympics, I think kicked that off with the gold medal. Um, but if if '99 had failed, I don't know where we would be. What I, and it's and so there was an LA Times article recently talking to Alex Morgan. And yeah. she said, uh, they had such an influence on me as a young girl, and I'll forever be grateful for what they did to Morgan, who watched the World Cup when she wasn't playing her own rec soccer games. Just the culture within the national team is such a special one, and it's one that they were such a huge part of. I think it's important for us to continue to pass the torch and really insist in ourselves that next generation, what the national team is about and how we carry ourselves and the mentality we have going into each big tournament. Like, that's so important. Like, I think about Mia Hamm, and you can see her in the documentary. When they're pointing a camera at her, she's not comfortable. No. Yeah. Um, but she's like, I know what I got to do because it's for the, you know, for the greater yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, you know, and now all of these, I mean, most of these uh, people on the on the World Cup currently are all pretty media savvy for the most mm-hmm. part. But again, this was a different time. It was, it was, there was this big bright spotlight on this sport in this country at a time when it was just, it was necessary and it was important. And they knew that if they didn't rise to the challenge, yeah. it, it could very well be the end of the sport as we know it. So it's, it's, it's a truly incredible thing to, to think about. It's also amazing just to think about, you know, the media markets that it played in 32 matches were televised in the United States on ABC, ESPN, ESPN2, of which 26 were live broadcast, six were tape delayed. Lifetime Network yeah. produced several documentaries about it. Eurosport broadcast it. Uh, I mean, it was just, it was, it was amazing. Over 2,000 accredited journalists covered the event, including 950 writers, 410 photographers, 60 broadcast persons, 600 personnel. Wow. I mean, it's the official slogan of the tournament was, this is my game. This is my future. Watch me play. Yeah. It's. I, I wish that I could watch the whole game, and I, I don't know how. Did you find it YouTube, online somewhere? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I should. I should have seeked it out because I wish I saw the whole thing. Just to sort of, you know, again, I'm not really a soccer watcher, and if I'm being completely honest, I find this sport a little bit boring. You uh, don't know what to for look for. That. I need. To, <laughs> part of it is is my lack of education on the sport sure. itself. It just feels like so much midfield, and and it feels like there's just not a lot of shots on goal, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I need to educate myself more on the sport, uh, as, as one would argue this country maybe does to a certain degree. Well, but you like what you like, but there's, t- I mean, I, I think, I think the country is always going to have a problem with soccer until our elite male athletes play soccer. Hmm. Um, I just, I, I mean, I think that to some extent, um, yeah, I, I think that that I think that that is is part of what's holding it back. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I, I. So you do you think you think it's a, it's a gender thing? I do. I okay. think that uh, no, no. Now look, it's it's further along than it's ever been. Yeah, but it it and it it's definitely like I could see soccer becoming one of the 
two biggest sports in the country after maybe basketball. I think that football is going away. Seems that way. And I think baseball is kind of the actual boring sport. <laughs> um, yeah. I grew up loving baseball and like yeah. I do, I, I absolutely love it. And, and, and or I used to love it. And I think it's the most boring thing in the entire universe. But, um, I think the calming about it. <laughs> sure. There's something calming about soccer too. Sure. But, um, I think it'll be interesting if, and when, um, football goes away, mm-hmm. that's 2000, there are 2,000 football players in the country. Now, not every football player can play soccer, obviously. But um, Odell Beckham could, you know? Yeah. Um, and Antonio Brown could. And uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of wide receivers, a lot of running backs, a lot of defensive ends. A lot of these guys would be good soccer players. Huh. And that would be interesting to see if if America started to make inroads in the men's game as well, if it does eclipse these other sports. But um, so – and I think it already is to some extent. I think the women have kind of pushed it on. Like, for instance, yesterday my, my son was saying, so the big sports are baseball, football, basketball, and soccer, right? It used to be at hockey. Hockey? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, <laughs> and he and then my brother-in-law said, what about hockey? He said, well, that's a big sport in Canada. So he's right there with you. <laughs> Rollins gets me. <laughs> yeah, he gets you. <laughs> but it's, it's, gotten, it's gotten closer. But, um, yeah, no, I do think that uh, – I do think that, that matters. It's funny you bring up hockey because in the AV Club um, article, which I oh, yeah. will not read the whole thing, but <laughs> I, I do think that you know anyone who's interested should seek it out. It's not hard to find. But um, the first paragraph I thought was interesting. It said, the 1999 Women's World Cup victory should be considered on the same level with the miracle on ice. So many parts of the storyline match up, a maligned second-tier sport, a tournament in the U.S., a roster of amateurs, a pivotal, a pivotal game against a political rival where the opponent is initially favored, a history of tournament success. Yes, the U.S. men's hockey team won a gold medal in 1960 and was a perennial medal winner. Some may protest that the 1996 Women's uh, Olympic gymnastics team competed was more significant, but it was not a sport in the traditional sense, more a combination of individual events, like if the Olympic swimming program had been a teen competition modeled after high school and college meets with uh, individual results contributing into an overall tonal thing. He's sort of, and again, I won't read the whole thing, but I do think there's something to that idea of that match, you know, Miracle on Ice, which I know is a very big deal for Americans since it's the only <laughs> hockey event that anyone seems to really attribute yeah. to any sort of interest, sadly. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it does have the same sort of power to it. And at the end of the article, they actually say something that, that I'm curious. Uh, they talked about how they'd love Disney to make an, a, a movie, a sports treatment of this team. And it does feel like Someone should do that. I think Barbara should write it. <laughs> I think Barbara should write it. 100%. I'm not kidding because you because you just you hit on the the narrative, yeah. the the selling the tickets at the the yeah. youth yeah. games. Like that's the move. That that's when it started to feel. And I know this is going to sound like derivative and and not nice, but it it did kind of feel like Cool Runnings in that sense. Like oh. <laughs> yeah. I, I love Cool Runnings. Same. Runnings is a great Same. Movie. Like it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but it never felt. I never thought the 99 was as bootstrappy. Oh my gosh. That. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. That, that idea of like, you know, they didn't, they, they didn't have a car wash, but they may as well have had a car wash. For real. I mean, I it, that's, yeah. That's what it's like. Right? Yeah. That's, that is, I mean, yes, all, yes Barbara, you should write this. <laughs> I mean, seriously. you should. And there's yeah. no yeah. reason why you can't. Yeah. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> it's all public domain. Write a spec script. I think if you called Judy, Fa- Julie Foudy, oh my she, God, yeah. she'd be down. Yeah. Like you talk could, about media savvy. Like she's the one who got it from the beginning. <laughs> she, no, she, and she is like, she's, you know, she's still on ESPN. I think she knew how she, she talks about like, TV. 
Sorry, yes. let me slow down. Uh, so ninety six. Yes. They won the gold cup, uh, the gold medal in the first time the the women's soccer uh, sport was in the Olympics. That was not a sentence, but you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> first time yeah. they won in front of like seventy thousand plus people right. in Atlanta. In Atlanta, nobody. The game was not televised live. Nobody saw the game on TV, and that. It instantly, Fauci said, "That is what we need. Like that's how we need to reach people. That let well, let's put <laughs> yeah. th- let's put ninety nine yeah. in those ninety thousand yeah. stadiums because otherwise, you know, we're going nowhere." And uh, she's where was that, that was in Atlanta too? So that's in the states. Yeah, yeah, which is, which is crazy. Correct. When you think about it, um, you know, part of part of the confluence of ninety nine is is the fact that it's taking place in yeah. the United States, obviously, absolutely, um, but. You still got to capitalize on that. Yeah. You know what I mean, you still have to strike while the iron's hot, and you still have to to you know apparently sell tickets to your own goddamn yeah. game, which is crazy. I mean, the other thing too that I was reading, they, they had ten dollars per diem. Like they, were, oh they yeah, eating garbage. They were stoked when the per diem went up to thirty bucks. Like, can you imagine Alex Morgan being like, oh, thirty dollars a day? You know, like I've it's hit crazy. it big. I uh, I'm, I'm still I'm still on the idea that you should write. The <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I'd like to produce it. So. <laughs> I think seriously. We, I think we could do this. I think we if could. You, if you're down to do it, I think we could do it. I, I, I do. I think we could pull it together. I think we could pull it together in like a couple weeks. <laughs> I'm not. I, 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 yeah. I think you think he's kidding, but he's not. And it's true. And I've done see, things like this before. And you I do see it right these now. Women. Like, the, like it's not. It's this is not a crazy. I know it shouldn't be on a podcast that's going on because it's like yeah, whatever. whatever. Like we yeah. we pitch movies all the time yeah. on this show. <laughs> like this would be cool, and yeah. we can yeah. do it. And I'm going to talk to my manager today. Yeah. We should, but I I, and I, I, I do. I, 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 I know I'm making you write this, but we're right. sure. going to write. I have time. Write it. Sure. There you go. We can't pay you. <laughs> <laughs> but the point here is that seems like really quintessential to the story, right? Like <laughs> to do it for free. I'm not like paid you. <laughs> but there, but there really is something to. I mean, first of all, I don't even know how much footage. There is Fowdy's footage. I think, I mean, I mean must be, be must just, years, years of footage. Of footage. Yeah. <laughs> they must have had to comb through to make this, this ESPN documentary. But, terrible. but to yeah. see the stuff, it, it felt so, they just felt so real. Like just yes. watching the brief interactions with them, the, the, the video footage of it from that time, they just felt like such real people. And part of this as well stems back to not to keep going back to the gender thing, but part of my issue with, most most athletes is they're so standoff. They they feel mm-hmm. like there's either there's some sort of a, a performative nature to it, mm-hmm. or they just feel completely closed off and there's there's nothing going on there. So you never feel like you're seeing the real person. I mean, I think that uh, maybe Kawhi Leonard might be the epitome of that in a lot of ways. <laughs> but I think that, that guy's the best. But I'm not I'm not shitting on him. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I, I just he you know there was just something so you know he wasn't letting you in, which I respect. But I also understand. You know, uh, seeing this 99 team and how open they were mm-hmm. about the ride that they were on, about the love they had for each other, mm-hmm. uh, and, and at the same time being just absolute badasses and, and, and taking no prisoners. Uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's really something. And I think, uh, you need to write this movie, Barbara. Okay. I'm just looking up where Julie Fatty is um, <laughs> represented. Oh, represented. Let's see if we can, we can find her. I'm sure um, we can. At least she has representation. That's something. Um, <laughs> Not a writer. Not a writer. <laughs> uh, so excited for our lunch. Oh god, <laughs> I'm I'm all of a sudden not. Uh, <laughs> but I do think that uh, it was a moment. And yesterday felt, or you know, three days ago, to the people that are listening to this on Wednesday, but felt 
so important for different reasons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think this really does come back to what we were talking about in terms of how important Megan is, uh, how important all of these uh, gay athletes are, mm-hmm. and and why, and, and, and that we have a, a, a fucking monster for a president. Mm-hmm. I think all of that stuff makes this team feel more important, I put that in quotation marks, than the 99 team mm-hmm. because – the sport was so nascent then it didn't mean as much to people. You know, it's, it's hard to sort of see how important well, for right now. Yes. Right. You know, like I think the women's world cup in 91 was the first all women's event. And so to really put it on the world stage in yeah. 99, like they did, I mean, that was pretty quick too. When you think, right. It. Yeah. But that was so important, yeah, yeah. you know, and, um, but you know, they were fighting for women then. And then 2015, they were fighting for revenge. And now in 2019, the world is just, it is what it is. And I was anxious watching because as soon as Megan said, I'm not going to the fucking White House, and as soon as Trump tweeted at her, you should win first. It's like, I knew the second that they she lost, oh, you, you never hear the end of it. And um, yeah, we were, it, they were fighting for something different yes. this year. Um, but sports are always a reflection of the time and the politics and, you know, um, it took on a different feel this year. Yeah. It, it and that what 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 sucked a little bit was that winning actually kind of felt mostly like relief. Yeah. As opposed to triumph. Yeah. Like, um which it was a bit of both for me when 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 Megan scored the first I was like, okay, I can breathe, but also like that's fucking awesome. No, that was relief. <laughs> And then, thank God, who's the second one? Rose Lavelle. Thank God, that was Lavelle a, scored too. She's because, fantastic. Like, you Her know, story is amazing too. Which yes, you're you don't. About want to, right I don't know. You don't want to just want to one PK. Like, no, you don't. Yeah. You absolutely it just do not feel right. You so, absolutely do not. Um, that was great, that, and that was such a great goal. I mean, it was, it was a great goal. But uh, yeah, it had a different kind of feel. Like it's, it's weird. I don't generally root for favorites. Because <laughs> I'm a Met fan and a glutton for and punishment. a Nick fan, so uh, so I yeah I it's 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 weird to actually like root for a favorite, right? And have that kind of feeling of like either relief or like devastation. Yeah, be your two things. Like I don't actually envy people who root for favorites. Um, there's yeah. no there's no triumph. There's no joy. Like you get bragging rights, but like so what? Right. Living in Boston. You know? Boston. I mean, I got to live in Boston first. I have a friend who was a Warriors fan who, like, was oh my god. Yeah, you would think, and, and I'm curious because this is, this brings up something that again, you know, not a basketball person, so I'm not <laughs> I'm not in a situation here where I'm where I'm really sort of upset necessarily because I don't really have the right to be that. But watching the Warriors fans be so pissed off. At the Raptors and and with the whole like, oh, well, if we had all of our players and they were healthy, you guys would have never had a chance. You've won so many championships. It's just greedy at a certain point. And I know that that's a, that might be a, a, an I absurd think they, thing. I think at the, all that being true, I think they handled it about as well as you could imagine them handling it. I did, <laughs> I, and again, this is Twitter. The team themselves handled it very gracefully. Yeah, I think so. I think they were great. That's I'm not suggesting the Warriors themselves. I don't have umbrage with them. I'm speaking more <laughs> to – because I too come from a city that really has you – know, we, we have a couple. We have two World Series. We, have a, we now have an NBA championship. The Leafs haven't won in – a million years, it feels like. It's the weirdest thing. So, Canadian, no, no Canadian team has won the cup in 25 years. It's right? insane. It's insane. It's incredible. So, all of that being said, I understand it's, it's different for me because I don't come from a city that is, you know, I guess 
I'm trying to think of Houston. 94, 95 Rockets, you know. Right, right. But Ooh, didn't the Astros just win? Yeah, yes. the Astros. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> but I, I, I do. And the Dynamo, since we're talking about soccer. The you know, their, their first two years in this. But if I lived movie. in a city that was constantly winning, Comets? I'd be pissed, yeah. I guess, They're if huge. I didn't win. Is that the, the general consensus? Which is that if I lived, if I was a Patriots fan, would, would I be hurt. bummed every time yeah, that they don't ba- win? When they, lose, when they lost to the Giants, it was like, it's, it's, it's embarrassing. I think there's yeah, I think there's an embarrassment yeah. factor for like the you know eighteen and zero Patriots to go in and lose the first suit because it was the first Super Bowl they lost, lose that first Super Bowl to the Giants. I think that's that's embarrassing for them. Um, I do think I love that it comes full circle from last week when we were, we had Sean on and we were talking about you were talking about the Giants and how you guys were like surprised that they somehow won that game. We still are. <laughs> are you kidding? Both of their champ- both of their Super Bowls. It's both. insane. <laughs> Like it's just crazy that like in my life I have like my favorite team won two Super Bowls and it feels like they're just the, mo- the biggest losers in the world <laughs> traded away their best player for nothing. Uh, but but it, I I think it's sorry, interesting. I'm go cry. No, but I do think it's interesting how you know. So in I guess when when is the next uh, Women's World Cup? It's going to be in twenty twenty three. In do we know where that is? No, hopefully Australia, and New Zealand. That would okay. be. My but favorite. again, like it's going to be then it's fighting to hold on to it, right? Then it's. Yes, but I think this time, so they lost in the last Olympics, like their worst performance at a major tournament ever. So I think this time in 2019, they really had to, had to show that they were not that team. And with the roster they had, if they had lost, there's no way that, you know, Allie Krieger was sort of taken down for saying we have the first best team in the world and the second best team in the world. But I do think that's true. I mean, the, the bench was so deep. But I, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of going off what you guys are saying, like it, it's it's interesting watching the game because, of course, I want America to win. But there's so many teams in the women's game who haven't even made it to the World Cup yet, and you're, you're you can't not root for them. You know, you you want other countries to have you know their women on the podium as well. So it's kind of like this balancing thing of, yeah, like yeah. should. If we win next time, great. But also, like, who's someone brand new? You know, like that would be awesome as well. well that kind of that kind of dovetails with the. And forgive me, what was her name? Who scored the second goal? Rose Lavelle. So four years ago, she's in a pizza parlor yeah. watching the game. Yeah. And then she scored. It's just and and like yeah. she's see, in like a second league or something. Yeah, some yeah. amateur league. Yeah. yeah. And, and then she's scoring in the World Cup. Yeah. And and just like yeah, it's just it's it's amazing stuff. That's I don't know. There's that just shows what you can accomplish in four years. Like yeah. what, what if you put your mind to it and that feels like sports in a, in a nutshell. Exactly where I was four years ago, except I have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. But I, I, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, I love the notion that not only that you can, that you can achieve whatever you put your mind to, but just, you know, the, the power of sports and the power of the, of the physicality of it, what you are physically capable of it as you know, it is, is really powerful stuff. So, you know, I, 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 there's, we could talk for hours about this, but is there anything else that you wanted to talk about in terms of mm, things that you, that you, 99 like, team, huh? Yeah. Cause you have a lot of notes. Well, yeah, <laughs> no, just, I just had to make sure I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> I mean, I think it's, I, you know, the, the, the team themselves, the, the actual, you know, Talking about Mia Hamm, breakout star, yeah. for example, resisting the corporate push to make her the face of the team, insisting that any commercial she was a part in had to have include other members of the team. Yeah. I just think that it's all 
it was a groundbreaking team on multiple levels. Mm-hmm. And I think it does kind of come back to what Alex Morgan said in that uh, LA Times thing about they set the bar. So it's like they're not going to be the ones to a fuck it up, right? And B they, they don't want to lose, but that's that's beside yeah. the point. They there there was a standard that was set that you know to be the best possible people you can be mm-hmm. on top of being the best possible players. I think that's really important. I want to make one more point. Yeah, as I do. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the '99 team really was a, a a huge success in general. They went on to create. A women's soccer league in America. Mm-hmm. That women's soccer league didn't fare well and closed. And I think there was this urge, particularly in the sports media, to kind of write off women's soccer at that mm-hmm. point and say there's no market for it. Um, I want to make a kind of sister point to this, which is these things don't happen overnight. Just because the women won in 1999, that doesn't immediately change – change the landscape of, the sport, uh, of sports yeah. in America. Now it's changed. Within the last, I'd say, you know, eight to ten years, people who were inspired by this group of people, and inspiration's a really important thing. You know, pe- the, the whole idea of someone who looks like me is going to get inspired, you know, watching me is going to get ex- inspired, that matters, yeah. right? I don't know if Alex Morgan, for instance, like, just to pick a name randomly, I don't know if Alex Morgan would have continued down the soccer path if it weren't for the 99 team. Mm-hmm. We don't know that. And I think we can assume that a great percentage of this team wouldn't have – percentage of women's soccer players in America wouldn't have continued down those roads if there wasn't 90,000 people in the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't Brandy Chastain's moment. And those are people who are in their 20s and 30s now. There's a, a, a sister point, which is essentially we're now seeing an influx of young black American tennis players. Right, right now there's a woman, or she's not. She's 15 years old, named Coco Graf, who beat Venus in Wimbledon. I think she has. Uh, I think she's into the fourth round. She's 15 years she old. She just got knocked out today. Just got knocked I think out three days ago. What oh, is it? She's got knocked out. <laughs> yeah. And she um, she cites the Williams sisters as her yeah. heroes. Mm. This is true for Naomi uh, Osaka, who is a Japanese, uh, half Japanese, half African American. Her father was, or her mother. African American, half African American, raised in New York, a tennis player Simone uh, Stevens, also inspired by uh, the Williams sisters. At the time, like twenty years ago, when the Williams sisters came up, there was this like kind of insidious stream of media idea of like, where are the other Black American female tennis players? Now yeah. that the Williams sisters, that's not how it works. This stuff is slower, so I think that it's really kind of cool. That the second wave of people who were inspired by the 99 team have now come up and are so confident and confident mm-hmm. in themselves and have the, this, this kind of like global idea of what they can accomplish. Megan Rapinoe is never going to go away. Mm-hmm. Like Megan Rapinoe. I hope not. She, she's, she's like a Billie Jean King. She's a forever star now. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think like. I think a lot of these 99 athletes are, are forever stars too to some extent. Yeah. But like Alex Morgan's a forever star. Megan Rapinoe's a forever star. I think Ali, Abby Wambach is a for, forever star to some extent. Like I think that's a really, really big important deal. And now I think we might be able to have a successful women's soccer league in America. Do you think someone would actually would try it again? Why wouldn't you? I mean you would – We have it. 
the NWSL is, you know, yeah, they're, they're there. They're, they've yeah. been there for a few years, but I think it's every, after every World Cup, you see people attending games and then it kind of like dwindles off. Um, but Budweiser just put a massive sponsorship deal in place with them, like the first okay. beer to support the league. Uh, but I guess that, you know, I think that's probably a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just like as much as you can support that league, watch that league. Um, you know, the overseas has the same, the same thing. The women's leagues are set up, you know, Arsenal has women's teams, Chelsea has women's teams. Like it, it's there. I think people just don't engage. look for it or engage. Well, yeah. Time too. Like the MLS yeah. really took a long time for people yeah. to even acknowledge. And now I'm going to a LAFC game on Wednesday. Oh, really? yeah. Um, so an LAFC sells out every game. So like, it's happened. And even the MLS is like a 14th, fourth tier league. Right. Right? Like, I, I think it's not absurd to think that the women's league, the NWL, NWSL, yeah. NWSL, could be on par with the MLS at least, if not the premier yeah. league in the world for women. So, what is currently the premier league in the world? For women? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if, it, if one really stands out, what but. What do the Americans play? Uh, like DC has a team. Oh, they, oh, they don't play overseas. No, they play here. So, it's, but some, some, so some Americans. I mean, most of them play here. I'll say that most of them play here. Like the women, women basketball players. Oh yeah, yeah. For a long right. time, would play their WNBA season almost just to keep their name yeah. in America. But they'd go to Russia to make their money. Yeah, I, I mean, if you go to like Germany and England, but most of them stay here oh, these right. days because I think I think the federation has a deal in place where like. The national team pays them to play in the states so that people will go to the games. Like you, you want to see Alex Morgan, you want to see Ali Krieger, you want to see Megan Rapino. In a time zone, Landon Donovan always stayed in America, and I think he felt a responsibility to try to grow this game. Yeah, they could probably have played in almost any league in the world. Um, Not necessarily. Right. Like that's how the best American player may not have made a Premier team, but a Premier League team. But um, I'm excited for. I mean. For the Olympics to be in Los Angeles. Yeah. I mean, I think that'll 2024? be. 2024? Yeah. 2026? I have no clue. It's on the 4th. 2024? Well, 2020, 2024. Okay. No, I might be wrong. I think it's 2026. It doesn't matter. Soon. It's relatively soon. It's definitely 2024. You sure? Yeah, because the last Olympics. Ernie's not. Yeah. Last Olympics were 06. Okay. No, wait. I don't even know what year we were in. We're in 2019. We're last. 2018, I think. 2016, they're in the Olympics. Okay, great. So 2024, <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, we won the gold medal, or didn't win the gold medal in 2016. You're right. 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 Right after so, they won. But then, the, the, I, used to, I used to know where every Olympics was every year. <laughs> it would be, that means it's 2020, and then it would be 2024. Okay. Okay. <laughs> cool. Uh, either way, I'm excited so, to see that. The Olympics in 2020. Although it's going to be a night, the city's going to be a nightmare yeah. with the Olympics. But 2016 was not London. 2012 was London. 2016 was uh, Rio. Rio. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable when, when, you get, when you get older. What happens to you? It's, Physically, it's yeah. Y- yeah. mentally. It, yeah. I, I could do Oscar winners back to like the mid 60s, and I can't tell you what won like three yeah. years ago. But that's also anxiety. Which yeah. affects 2028. <laughs> yes. What's that? In LA? It's 2028. In LA. <laughs> oh, you said 2026. No. 
Okay. okay. <laughs> 2028? 2028. I won't even be alive. Y- yes, you will be. Oh. Uh, but these girls probably won't be playing, I imagine, a lot Some of them, right? Will. No, but I mean, you have like, you know, Mal Pugh. She's super young. But um, I, I, there's a I few. A no, 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 no. But, um, but like looking at 99, you know, there's – I love Fowdy has this awesome shot of this woman like Christy Pierce on the bench. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, and then and then in 2015, like Christy Rampone Pierce is like the captain of the team. You know, she's played for, there for like four cups. No, she's like on her way out at that point. But it's just like this legacy that these these players leave behind. You know, Christine Lilly is the most capped player internationally, men or women, like 354 games. Like, I just lo- these players that just stick around and like leave the, leave this legacy. What would you say is mid 30s probably? But Formiga for Brazil, this cup. Played in her seventh World Cup. She's forty-one years old. Wow, uh, it's That's just incredible. It's are just better now. <laughs> <laughs> but also, me anyway. No, they're just better. Yeah, I mean, just people are just better later. Yeah. Like Tom Brady's going to be a quarterback at forty-four year, forty-five yeah. years old. He claims he's going to be forty-two this year, and he's faster than he was when he came out. That's crazy. People are just better. We're just better. Is it just? Is it? I mean, do we think it? It is science. Do we think it has something just to do with the way that these players are training? Do you think? Yeah, it, I think it's science. I think it's nutrition. Yeah. I think it's illegal drugs. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Um, <laughs> well, but I don't think it is for. I don't think it's nearly as rampant as most people do. I, I'm just making a joke. Yeah. I, I really do think it's training, nutrition, yeah. sure. science. LeBron puts a million dollars into his body every year. Incredible. Yeah, Barbara, thank you so much. Oh, thank you guys. And will you please come back? For, for a movie yeah, I, I sent you my list. Yeah. You know, yeah, we'll find it. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll this was awesome. This was fantastic. Yeah, I'm so happy. We're gonna make this, this movie. Barbara, <laughs> I am straight up gonna call my yeah. manager. We just need some source material. Yeah. What do we got? There's got to be some books <laughs> out there, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Brandy uh, has one. Christine Lilly has one. Fantastic. Yeah. We'll, we'll if we it. have source material, we can have this deal in place by the end of the week. So next week <laughs> is uh, the the movie that everyone was eager for this week that we pushed, uh, which is uh, Mickey Blue Eyes. Mickey Blue. Uh, Mickey Blue Eyes. Do you have any thoughts on Hugh Grant? No. Barbara doesn't. Have He's fine. <laughs> He's fine. Uh, the movie's not. But uh, oh. you can hear. Oh. <laughs> hear our <episode laughs> bada bing, bada boom. That, that is the movie in itself. Oh. Spider. Uh, Jesus Christ. Um, but also, we, uh, I want to give a shout out to our Instagram feed, which is at podcast like 1999. We have a, a, a new social media director, Emilio, who's doing a tremendous job on that. So please follow us there and at Twitter at podcast like 99. I'm at PM Iscove on Instagram and Twitter. Kenny is at Nybart on Twitter. Uh, next week, uh, Mickey Blue Eyes. Thanks for listening. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.